Let me just say this morning as we're uh, getting started, if you do not have a Bible and you would like one, we have one for you. Uh, Mike is in the back with some extra Bibles. If you have one, just lift your hand up if you need one. He'll make sure you get one just, just so that you can follow along with where we're at. I'd love to have you there with us. All right. Awesome. Well, if you would, take your Bibles this morning and turn to Proverbs chapter 3. This morning, we're going to start a new series on prayer, just kind of sharing what God's Word has to say about prayer itself. And then as we go along over the next uh, several weeks, sharing some of the things that God has been doing, some of the things that God has been showing us, teaching us about prayer over the last several months. It's been just awesome to see God at work even in the last several weeks, to see God answering prayer. It's just incredible. To me, there's a lot of things that we can argue and debate and get nowhere with. I've had numerous conversations throughout my younger years debating with someone whether or not God exists. And uh, you remember the old saying, a person convinced against his will is of the same opinion still? If they don't want to believe it, they're not going to believe it. But... The one thing you can't argue, the one thing you can't dismiss, is very specific prayer when God answers it. It's very specific. It goes beyond chance. It goes beyond coincidence. It goes beyond luck. And it points to a God who hears and answers. Um, Sometimes He doesn't answer the way we want. Sometimes He doesn't answer in the timing that we want. But rest assured, God does answer. And I'm so thankful for that. So over the next several weeks, we're going to be talking about prayer and what God's Word has to say about it. And I guess if you could say, if I had an agenda as a pastor this morning, it would be this. I want you to pray more. I think for too many of us, prayer is not an avid part of our life. It's kind of a sideline item. We pray for a moment when we get up in the morning. We might pray God's blessing over a meal that we eat. We may pray for somebody who just says, hey, can you pray for it? And we kind of say, oh yeah, I'll pray for that. And it's a, you know, just a bleep or a fleeting thought. And I think for too many of us, prayer is not an integral part of our life. And I get it. Now let me just say on the flip side of that coin, I'm not, I don't in any way want to minimize that quick morning prayer. By all means, pray. Thank God for the day and say, God, I need your help today. You know, I remember seeing this sign that says, so far today, God, I have not, I have not yelled at anybody. I haven't been selfish. I haven't, you know, reacted in any adverse ways. I haven't hit anybody. And, but, but God, my feet are about to hit the floor and start the day. And, you know, yes, we need God's help to start the day. But it shouldn't just stop there. It shouldn't be just that. It should be something that we are doing ongoing throughout the day, throughout our weeks. But as we get started on this subject of prayer, I wonder if we truly understand the significance of prayer in our lives as believers. Do we truly understand the significance of prayer in our lives? I would venture to say that I pray as much or more than the average person. And that's not bragging. It's just kind of a reality fact that I want to share with you for a moment. And I believe I don't do a good job of it. I don't. You say, well, pastor, you're the pastor. 
you should be praying. I shouldn't be praying any more than you should be praying. Because I'm first and foremost a child of God, right? First and foremost, I have a relationship with Jesus. And because of that, I should want to have time in prayer with Him. I should want to converse with Him. I should want to talk with Him and share my heart with Him. Yes, He knows all these things, but He says to come. And I would venture to say I probably do that as much as anybody, or more than the average, but I still think I do a terrible job of that. I can honestly say that I wish I could pray more, but here's what I find personally. That praying is difficult. It is difficult. It's like, where is he going with this? I'm glad you asked. Why is it difficult? Let me give you a few things, and most of this message this morning is introduction for what's going to come over the next several weeks. If I pray for all the men and young men in this church, I cannot do that in a matter of minutes. I can't. Uh, It takes literally an hour or more to lift up close to 50 men in prayer. At least an hour praying for their spiritual state. We made a commitment starting last December to start praying for every one of you by name, men. If you are sitting here, we have prayed for you by name. Most weeks, not every week, but most weeks, we take the list of men, and if somebody changes, we add it to it. If somebody comes, we add your name to the list, and we divide it by the number of guys who are here. Sometimes, you, you know, Mike, you got the first 12. Mike, you got the second 12. I'll take the third 12. But as we pray for you guys by name and for your spiritual needs, for your spiritual well-being and your spiritual health, you can't do that in five minutes. You can't. And what we found out is, is as we started to come before the Lord in prayer on Saturday nights, what used to be 15 minutes then turned into a half hour, turned into 45 minutes, turned into an hour, turned into an hour and a half. It takes a while. And for that, it's difficult. Who wants to give up an hour and a half every Saturday night? That's prime time, right? But I'm willing to do it. Because I believe in it. And there's a handful of men now that are coming and joining us because they believe in it. They've seen God work through it. If I pray for our various ministries, as we do every week, we pray for the worship team every Saturday night. We pray for them, that God would use them, that God would direct their hearts, that God would help them in humility worship the Lord and bring us into the presence of God. And we are praying for this worship team as they play that it would, that it would glorify God Because God said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men to myself. And I just happen to believe that music can turn a person's heart towards God. That's Psalm 40. He brought me up out of the miry clay, set my feet upon a rock, and established my goings, and has put a new song in my mouth, even praise unto our God, that many shall see it and fear and what? Trust in the Lord. Music has the ability to turn people's heart towards God. And we are praying that that would happen. A simple song. Well, I don't like repetitive songs. Well, join the crowd. I don't really like them much anymore either. I'm finding myself at 46 not liking a whole lot of things that just don't fit in the perfect little cup. But other people do. But what's the message? Hopefully that one person who's struggling needed that one song to help them through it. And it turns their heart towards God and their focus on Him. Or the teaching ministries. We pray for the teachers who are downstairs teaching our kids. 
We pray for the adult teachers who are teaching on Sunday morning and Sunday night. We pray for all the things that are going on in the We Care ministry. And you know what? When you start praying for the music ministry and the teaching ministry and all the other things that are going on, you can't do it in five minutes. And it becomes very difficult. Because who wants to spend an hour or two hours when you can be watching TV? I'm just, I'm just being honest, right? I'm just being honest. And then we add to it the, 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 the specific request that, that, that people send to me. I send out a message most weeks, not every week, but most weeks I send it out to about 30 guys. They say, if you've got a, a, specific, a specific request, personal, you know, send me a personal message or a text and, I'll, and we'll pray for that. Add all those in there. Can't do it in five minutes. You can't. Praying becomes difficult. And then... If I pray for the pastors in our city and around the United States, it numbers close to 50 pastors and churches. So you know that many pastors? Yeah. Do you know that many missionaries? Yeah. you know that many churches? Yeah. And everybody wants us to pray because guess what? We believe in the power of prayers. Anybody doesn't believe in that? Right. So who doesn't want to get prayed for? Anybody appreciate being prayed for? Right. Can't do it in five minutes. You just can't. You just can't. Then add to your prayer life all the requests to pray for the physical needs. So-and-so that's not feeling well. So-and-so that's got pneumonia. So-and-so that's going through cancer. So-and-so that has a broken foot. Whatever. You add up all the physical needs that people have asked you to pray for. And you don't want to be a jerk and say, no, I'm not going to pray for you. So we automatically say when someone says, will you pray for this? What's the pet answer? Right, yeah, we'll pray for yeah, praying for you. Do we really pray? I'm just being honest. Let's 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 be real. Do we really pray? And then there's just that time praising God for his many attributes and characteristics that we are so thankful for. When we think of his love. Do we thank him for it? How about his mercy and grace that he extends to us every day? Do we thank him for it? How about his protection? Do we thank him for that? Or how about his provision? Do we thank him for that? And you just start thinking through all the attributes and the characteristics of who God is and what he has done just to take a few moments to say thank you. Can't do it in five minutes. Do you you understand where I'm going with this? Prayer takes time. But are we willing to give up our time to do it. Then there's the other side of that coin. All of us can have a hundred excuses and some of them very legitimate as to why we're not spending that time in prayer. You know, we have a lot of reasons why we don't do it. Things like, I'm busy. Legitimate? Sure. It can be a legitimate excuse. We're just busy. Anybody not busy? Raise your hand. Exactly what I thought. Or I'm tired. I, as I've said a hundred times over the years, I know no better sleep medicine at night than to start praying. Boom, out the lights go. Because when you're tired and you've spent your energy all day, the last thing you can do is close your eyes and say, Lord, thank you for this. There is no, and beyond cannot compare to praying when you're tired at night. I'm just telling you. Anybody been there? been there 
praying is difficult. And sometimes there's just, I don't want to pray. Those are the times that I feel sometimes, like after Satan has just got in there and sucker punched one of us, and our attitudes are not right, and I just want to not pray. (laughs) Because my attitude's not right. But what's the very thing we should do to correct the attitude? Pray. But I just don't feel like it. I don't want to. I'd rather do something else. I'd rather go somewhere else. I'd rather be involved with something else. And then there's, unfortunately, there's another reason. Sometimes we come to the conclusion that prayer just doesn't change anything. Just doesn't change anything. Well, I've prayed and prayed and prayed and nothing changes, so why bother? Don't raise your hand, but how many of you have been there? You've seen it. You've experienced it. In our minds, we think, well, what's, what's the big deal? Nothing changes. Why pray? And then, of course, there's the motives that i got to consider. Moses like, well, I don't want to pray because I'm supposed to. I mean, that's the wrong reason to pray. I mean, I mean, pastor's up here preaching on prayer, and I shouldn't just want to do it just because I'm supposed to. I mean, that's the wrong motive, right? I still say pray. Because sometimes prayer is what God uses to change your attitude about the supposed to into the want to. Or, I don't want to pray just to get something. I mean, that's bad. I, I don't want to pray just because I'm selfish. Right? Because James talks about that. Don't pray to consume it upon your own lusts. Just to get what you want. Well, I don't want to pray because that, I mean, because ultimately it's just kind of, I'm just patting myself on the back that I'm going to get what I want. And I don't want to just, I don't want God to think that. So we don't pray. And I certainly don't want to pray out of duty or guilt. I mean, who would disagree with that, right? Who's going to disagree with that? I don't want you to pray out of duty. Pray because you want to. I don't want to pray because you're out of guilt because someone says you should. That, I mean, that, 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 that sounds so unspiritual, doesn't it? So I come to the conclusion, taking all these things into consideration, I wonder if we really do understand the importance and the significance of prayer in our life. Because we tend to, to do those things that are what? Important to us. Right? I mean, when the groceries are kind of nil in the house and the refrigerator is getting a little empty, what do we do? Go grocery shopping. When the gas gets a little bit low, what do we do? Go to the gas station. I mean, when we want that new pair of shoes, we go to the mall. We do what's important to us. And that extends to every area of life. It really does, including our prayer life. I wonder, do we truly understand the significance of spending time in prayer with God? As I said this morning, most of this message is the introduction for what's going to come over the next few weeks. But I was reading one of D.L. Moody's books called Prevailing Prayer. And I want to read just two pages, if I may. Just bear with me. It's not my words. They're D.L. Moody's. I think God will use them to encourage us, inspire us. So just listen as I read this two pages here. It says, Men of God are men of prayer. Hence we see that prayer holds a high place among the exercises of spiritual life. All God's people have been praying people. Look, for instance, at Baxter. He stained his study walls with praying breath. 
And after he was anointed with the unction of the Holy Ghost, sent a river of living water over Kidderminster and converted hundreds. I dare say that it would not have happened had he not pleaded out his heart before God. Luther and his companions were men of such mighty pleading with God that they broke the spell of ages and laid nations subdued at the foot of the cross. John Knox grasped all of Scotland in his strong arms of faith. His prayers terrified tyrants. Whitfield, after much holy faithful closet pleading, went to the devil's fair and took more than a thousand souls out of the paw of the lion in one day. Unreal. Because they pleaded and actually trusted God to work. Seeing a praying Wesley turn more than 10,000 souls to the Lord. Look at the praying Finney whose prayers, faith, sermons, and writings have shaken this whole country and sent a wave of blessing through the churches on both sides of the sea. Dr. Guthrie speaks of prayer and its necessity. The first true sign of a spiritual life is prayer, but it's also the means of maintaining it. Do you get that? The first true sign of a spiritual life is prayer, but it's also the means of maintaining it. Man can as well live physically without breathing as spiritually without praying. There is a class of animals, the cetaceous, neither fish nor sea fowl, that inhabits the deep. It is their home. They never leave it for the shore. Yet, though swimming beneath its waves and sounding its darkest depths, they have ever and anon to rise to the surface that they, can, that they may breathe the air. Without that, these monarchs of the deep could not exist in the dense element in which they live and move and have their being. And something like what is imposed on them by physical necessity, the Christian has to do by a spiritual one. I love this. It is by ever and anon ascending up to God, by rising through prayer into a loftier, purer region of, for supplies of divine grace, that he maintains his spiritual life. Prevent these animals from rising through the surface, and they die for want of breath. Prevent the Christian from rising to God, and he dies for want of prayer. Give me children, cried Rachel, or else I die. Let me breathe, says a man gasping, or else I die. Let me pray, says a Christian, or else I die. And then the author says, D.L. Moody says, Since I began, said Dr. Payson, when a student, to beg God's blessing on my studies, I have done more in one week than in a whole year before. Luther, when most pressed with work, said, I have so much to do that I cannot go on without three hours a day praying. And not only do theologians think and speak highly of prayer, men of all ranks and positions in life have felt the same. General Havelock rose at four o'clock. If, if the hour for marching was six, rather than those lose those precious and privileges of communion with God before setting out. Sir Matthew Hale says, If I omit praying and reading God's word in the morning, nothing else goes all well all day. And a great part of my time, said McShane, is spent in getting my heart in tune for prayer. It is the link that connects the earth with heaven. I wonder if we understand the significance and the importance of prayer in our life. Do we really treat it as something that is important or something that we just occasionally do? Because there is a big difference. I really just want to spend a few moments this morning, and then we're going to practice what we're preaching on this morning. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. It says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not rely on your own understanding. In all your ways, know Him, and He will make your path straight. 
I love how the Amplified Bible puts it. It says, trust in and rely confidently in the Lord with all your heart. And do not rely on your own insight or understanding. But in all your ways, and know Him and acknowledge Him and recognize Him. And He will make your path straight and smooth, thus removing obstacles that block your way. I love that. In the New King James, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him and He shall direct your paths. There are a couple questions that come to my mind. We've heard this passage a million times. Just trust God. Don't lean on your own understanding and just acknowledge Him and He'll direct your paths. He'll make your paths straight. We've heard it a thousand times, right? I mean, this is an old message that we've heard a million times from our childhood all the way to the present. But we, do we truly grasp the significance of it? So the question that comes to my mind is, do I acknowledge Him in all my ways or just some of the ways? Let's be honest about that for a moment. Because we get up in the morning and there are certain things, well, God, I got this one. I don't really need to ask you whether or not I should do this or this or this. I just know what I'm doing, so I'll just do my own thing. What if even doing the good thing could be substituted for something better or something better for God's best? Am I willing to sacrifice what may be good for what may be best in my walk with God? And the only way I would know that is by spending time with Him. That's the only way I would know that. But if I don't spend time with Him, even doing a good thing may not be the best thing or the right thing. We're really quick to acknowledge God. I speak for myself. So I'll put myself in this little mix too. We're really good at speaking God to God on the big things. The big things. The big C. Going through cancer. Oh, God, you've got to work. We've got to heal. Is that a good thing? Sure it is. But I think there's a better question going through cancer. I really do. God, how can I glorify you through this? That's a better question. That's why I challenged... Jen with, when she found out she had cancer that night, I said, it's going to be amazing to see how God is glorified through this. And God was. And of course, all of you others as well. It's not the question of what is good, or what it may even be better. It's a question of what is best. And the only way you can know that is by spending your time with the Lord. So we acknowledge Him in the big things. Well, Lord, money's tight. I really need you to work. But what if the money wasn't tight? Do you not need him to work then? I mean, that's how we kind of walk through that scenario, right? I mean, things are tight, so I've got to spend more time because, well, you know, I mean, i got these needs. But what about just time saying, God, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And just praying back all the things that God has done. Just saying thank you. So he says, do I acknowledge him in all my ways? And, and then secondly, the question that came to my mind is, have I even considered the prerequisites there? I think there are two of them. Am I trusting in the Lord with all my heart? There's a huge question there. Because that kind of goes back to the other thing. Well, I prayed so many times, nothing changes, why bother? <laughs> Guess what? If you don't expect God to work, don't be shocked when he doesn't. Don't be shocked if he's not showing himself strong if you don't really think he's going to. 
You know what that's called? No faith. You know what that's called? No trust. No confidence. It's really simple. Keep your finger there in Proverbs just for a moment. Turn over to Hebrews chapter 11. I love this verse. Verse 6. It says, Now without faith it is... What's the word? What? Impossible to please God. So, Lord, I just want you to work today. I want you to bless. I mean, I, I mean, if you really want to, and you don't really have to, but, you know, I mean, God, if you're there, I mean, really? If we're going to pray, let's pray confidently to God. Now, without faith, it is impossible. You're not even going to please God if you don't think you can, you can trust Him to do what you ask Him to do. Since the one who draws near to Him must believe that He exists, and that He what? What's the word? Say it together. What is it? Rewards. Say it again loud. Rewards. Do you believe that God rewards? He says, I, I, I think this is a general promise of Scripture. I mean, I, I could be wrong. But it says, they that draw near to Him must believe that He exists and that He rewards those who what? Seek Him. What have you got to lose by putting all your faith and trust and confidence in God? What have you got to lose? So the question is, why don't we do it? Why don't we do it? And let me just say, I say we generally. I know that there are a couple of you that spend hours in prayer, and I so appreciate that. Um, I don't know. I don't see her here this morning, but Jan McGlory, I love that woman. She is one of the strongest women I know. Where is she? She's up early morning when, when the average person is in bed sleeping as they should be. She's up praying. I love that. We need people who will pray like that. And others of you who tell me about that, you pray. Because you actually are crazy enough to believe that God's going to work. I love that. But he says in Proverbs 3, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Am I trusting Him? Or is it just a Hail Mary? You know how it is. It's the end of the game. It's tied or down by two points. And we're going to throw that Hail Mary just in case. It's probably not going to happen. It's not real likely. But just in case. Is that faith? No. That's luck. That's coincidence. That's chance. This is saying, God is listening to me. God's going to hear my prayer. And I'm trusting him to do something. Do I trust him? That's a huge question. You see, it's not real hard to trust God to get from point A to point B when i got a car that runs good. I mean, I'm going to go out there. I'm going to stick my key in the ignition. I'm going to turn it. Or some of you may push the button. You're going to get in it. You're going to start it. And you're going to go to where you want to go. I don't have to trust God much for that. It works. But how about when you're going through a difficult struggle in your life? Overcoming an addiction. You make commitments over and over again, but you just can't seem to get victory. Do you trust Him? He said it'll work. 
do you trust them? Or when the need is great, do you trust them? Or is it a Hail Mary? Because a Hail Mary is not a prayer of trust. So he says, first of all, trust in the Lord with all your heart. And then he says, secondly, and lean not unto your own understanding. That's a hard one. You know why it's hard? Because we all have an opinion of how things should work and how things should be accomplished and how things should get done. We all have an opinion. And then on top of that opinion, we have experiences. You know, I, in the past I've done this way and it worked. Or I did this way and this was the result. And I expect that because of my experiences, this is how it's all going to play out. And then there's, well, so-and-so told me that if I do this, so I listen to the other parts of those around me, the other people around me, to, to give their input. You know how it is. Facebook attorneys. Giving you all their advice. Facebook counselors. Giving all their, you know, how-tos, wherefores, what-froms. Your friends. Even family. Everybody's got an opinion. Everybody's got two cents to add to the scenario. Everybody's got something that they need to say that is going to help you make your choice to help you with your problem, to get you where you want to be. And he says, don't lean on your own understanding. Lord, I come to you with no agenda. Lord, I come to you, and I trust what you're going to do is best for me. And God, I want you to be glorified through this struggle. I want you to be lifted high so that when we're through it, I can look back and see your hand at work. That's not having any of my own understanding and then he says trust in the Lord with all your heart lean not into your own understanding and then he says in all your ways acknowledge him what's all mean no really what's it mean oh it does mean all It's it's that simple in all our ways Lord starting the day. I need your help. And Lord, I've been up for a couple hours. I'm a little tired. Kids are cranky. I need your help. God, I, I have this decision to make a little bit later in the day. Lord, I, I need you to be feeding my mind with those things that would help me make the right decision. That's all in everything. But you know what that requires? Sacrifice. I don't have to have my way because what God may want to do is maybe a whole lot different than what I want to do. You ever had that experience? You know what? He has that right. Just so you know. He has that right. He can change everything because he's God. And he can do it. He has the right. He's sovereign. He can do what he wants. It's ours to obey. But in our ways, acknowledge him. And that kind of goes along with other parts of Scripture, like in 1 Thessalonians 5, where it says, Pray without ceasing. Does that mean that I have to have my head bowed, my hands, my, my hands clasped together, and my head bowed, my eyes closed all throughout the day to do without ceasing? No. Praying without ceasing means that as I'm going about my day, as I'm at work 
working with my hands, I'm saying, Lord, thank you for this opportunity. Help me keep me strong. Guard, guard my attitude. My, protect me from wrong thoughts. And, you know, help me be a witness to this guy next to me and this lady over here. And that's praying throughout the day, talking with God. That's acknowledging him in everything. And you know what? That's difficult because we all have an agenda. Stated or unstated, we have one. But what God wants is our agenda to fall in line with His. I've said it a hundred times. You know my pet peeve with dumb drivers. I'm just going to say it, there are dumb drivers out there who still do not grasp the simple concept of yield. It's really simple, right? I mean, the on-ramp. I mean, you know what that on-ramp really means when it says yield? Speed up to about 112 and get in front of that guy who's right here. That's what it means, practically. I'm kidding. What it really means is what? There's cars going, and I'm to yield to them and then fall into place. But that's not how it happens, is it? I mean, everybody knows that when someone's coming on the on-ramp, by all means, if there are any ways possible, get out of the way because they're coming. And they're going to ram you. If you don't move. But isn't that how we treat God sometimes? God's going this way, and we're going to try to get in front of him or leg behind, but we're not willing to fall in line the way he wants us to do it. We're unwilling to yield. And to yield means that this person has the right of way. They have the authority to keep doing what they're doing. And I'm to fall in line. And you know what I find in my life is that when I'm fine, falling in line with what God has, things are a whole lot smoother. When I'm trying to get ahead of God or leg too far back, I'm missing out. And God's like, come on, let's go, let's go. Things happen better when I'm in line. So my challenge to you today, as I said this morning, is to simply encourage you to start a prayer life that God would be honored with. You say, well, what does that look like? Yeah, it looks different for all of us. It really does. God knows our heart. I can remember when our kids were little and you're around the house, it's like, yeah, prayer is not happening. Should, but it's not. What God wants us to do is grow in that area. If what you can give God in the morning is a few minutes, wonderful. Give it to Him. And then take a little bit more and a little bit more. If you're in a scenario where you can give God an hour, then give God an hour. Wherever you're at, take it another step. Take it another step. Learn to pray more effectively by being honest to our word as believers. We all say we're going to pray for one another, but do we really do it? Let's just be honest. Let's take that one step and say, when someone says to pray, I'm going to pray. And I'm going to take time. Let me, let me give you an acronym this morning. We're going to take a few moments, as I said this morning, to pray. And I want you to keep in mind the acronym for the word pray. P-R-A-Y. It's a great starter point for all of us. First of all, when I begin to pray, I'm going to think of that letter P. P is to praise. Just for a moment, for 10 seconds, what can we praise God for? Go ahead. What are we praising for? Give me a, give me a word, one word. His mercy. What else? 
Sunshine. What else? His forgiveness. What else? Grace. What else? Health. What else? Yes. Think of all the things that we have to praise God for. When's the last time you just thanked Him for it? And praised Him for His love, His mercy, His grace, forgiveness, health, all these things that were mentioned. Do we take a moment and just praise Him? Take time to do that this week. And when God answers prayer, praise Him for it. When God reveals Himself to us through a reading of His Word, praise Him for it. When God does something special that, we were, that was unexpected and He gives you that little added blessing, praise Him for it. And then we come to the letter R. You know what R means? To repent. Are any of us perfect, sinless, without any flaws? No. The R just simply means to repent. Why is that important in, our, important in my prayer life? I'll just give you two verses. Psalm 66, 18 says, If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. I want my prayers to be heard. But I don't have the freedom or the right or the privilege of going to God and saying, God, I need you to do this great thing, but um, don't worry about me. I got all this sin in my life and I don't want to deal with it because it's really not that bad. It's not that big a deal. I'll deal with it later. But God, I want you to do this. It doesn't work that way. I've heard people say, well, it doesn't... Prayer doesn't change anything. It doesn't, nothing, nothing's different because I prayed. And I sometimes wonder, is there sin in your life that you're not dealing with? That's a reality, Psalm 66, 18. And the word regard means, I know it's here, but I'm choosing not to deal with it. It's that sin. That may be different for all of us. God, I know I should do this, but I, I'm not going to deal with that right now. God, I know you've convicted me about this sin, but eh, it's not that big a deal. I mean, just it's not that big. I'll, I'll deal with it later. That's regarding it. That's, that's holding it in. That's choosing not to deal with it. And God says, when you regard iniquity in your heart, the Lord says, I'll not hear you. It's like saying, God, I want this big blessing, but I'm not willing to be obedient to get it. That's reality. And so we have to say, Lord... As the psalmist said, Lord, search me and try me. Lord, is there anything in my life that's not right? Would you reveal that to me so that I can make it right? God, if there's sin that I don't know about or the sin that I'm holding in, God, would you show that to me so that I can ask for forgiveness? Because, Lord, I don't want there to be anything in between us. That's repenting of our sin. And Proverbs 28 says, if I, or he that covereth a matter shall not prosper. I want to prosper. Who doesn't want to prosper? Right? Honestly, anybody not want that? He that covereth a matter. In other words, he that covers sin is not going to prosper. So we take time to repent. And then we come to the letter A. You know what A stands for? Ask. God says, bring your petitions before me. So we ask. And I choose to concentrate on the spiritual side of things more than the physical side of things. Because God has a purpose and a reason and a plan for everything that happens in my life, right? Do you believe that? He, doesn't make, he hasn't made any mistakes yet. There's no accidents. So when I'm going through something that's really difficult, when something's really hard and weighing me down, 
I still want to concentrate on the spiritual. God, increase my trust and faith in you. God, just show me your presence. God, may I feel that you're at work here. God, I choose to concentrate on the spiritual more than the physical. Because God has control of both, right? I'll pray for the physical, but I'm going to concentrate on the spiritual. Because even though physical needs are real, our greater need is spiritual. Am I walking in obedience and faith to God? And then letter Y simply means to yield. Why? Because I need to be submissive to what God wants to do. I may ask God for this, but God says, no, I've got something better. It's this. And I'm willing to yield to what you have for me. God, I yield to what your will may be in my life. God, I yield myself to wait on you for your perfect will to be accomplished. Are we willing to yield? So we praise we repent, we ask, and we yield. Simple acronym to pray. So I've asked a couple guys to come up and pray this morning, this acronym. So I asked someone to offer us a time of praise. I've asked someone to ask, I'm going to do the time of repentance for us as a church. I've asked someone to come up and pray over the asking part, the spiritual needs of our church. And then I'll close with the, or Mike's going to close with the why, the yielding. So men, if you would come at this time, and we're just going to take a moment and pray this morning. So I, I encourage you guys that are here as now, as the men are coming, let's just bow our heads before the Lord. And let's close with this time of prayer. And just let it be as a, an encouragement to you to start a prayer life that God would be glorified with. And so let's just do that. So I'm going to ask Paul if you'd come first.